Hey, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. Today, I am really excited, Tim, because I want to jump in and have a conversation about examining the ways that we train musical theater performers, specifically in acting techniques. And I know this is something that you and I talk about quite often. Mm. And it's a topic that really has been an important discussion with our colleagues, with our students, and within our community. And it needs to happen. So how, how about we talk about that today? I love it. That sounds like a really exciting topic to cover today. Well, before we do, we got to do everyone's favorite part. What puzzler do you have for us today? All right, folks, here's our puzzler for this week. What performer has the record for the most Tony Award wins? Oh, I'm excited. I love this person. Yeah. So we'll circle back (laughs) at the end of this episode and we will discover that answer together. Let's begin with understanding how we got to the point of training actors with different methods and technologies. I think most of the time people look at how we train actors in musical theater and don't understand the history behind it. So do you want to dive in and just give us a bit of a history lesson? I know that, you know, your, your MFA is in acting from Brandeis, and this is something you're extremely passionate about. Okay, let's see. Condense the history of American acting method in five minutes. Let's see if I can do this. (laughs) If anyone can, it would be you. As it relates to American methodologies of acting, they're all related to Konstantin Stanislavski's original ideologies surrounding how we bring more realism to the stage in terms of acting values. You have uh, pioneers like Lee Strasberg. You have Sanford Meisner, Stella Adler. Cheryl Crawford, Harold Klerman, uh, even uh, some of the more avant-garde ideologies like uh, Tadashi Suzuki and uh, and Bogart viewpoints. These are all different ideologies that many different colleges, many different professional organizations uh, employ in their uh, teaching philosophies. So how did we get to a place where we are where many acting instructors have informed young performers to utilize their own personal experience as it relates to a character to to connect more believably to a character. I really believe that a lot of this is derived from tenets of, say, Lee Strasberg's method. And just to give you a little context of what Lee Strasberg's method is, It's the idea of method acting, and uh, at its core, it's basically a systematic approach to training the living material that is the actor's instrument using what is called effective memory. This idea of utilizing lived experiences and past experiences that may connect emotionally to uh, the nature of what a a character you're working on and finding kind of parallels that exist. Now, that was how I was taught, and that is how many of my contemporaries uh, in my generation were taught. You know, use whatever you're feeling, explore your emotions, explore um, a time in your life when you felt this exact same way about what your character's going through. And that's how we have both, you know, utilized in our coachings and our teachings. And we we were taught that. That's how we know how to connect to our work. That's the way that we have been taught. That's what we use. And so I, I think what the point we're bringing to is 
is that effective now? Is, I it, agree. is it effective with our students and, and professionals? And I think that's something worth unpacking because for a very long time, that was widely accepted. Strasbourg, Meisner, all these methodologies have been widely accepted as the premier ideologies of a means by which to become better actors. And now we find ourselves in new terrain where our students are pushing back and saying, I don't want to be triggered in the classroom. I don't want to experience, I don't want to have to relive my own trauma to connect to a character in play. So now as educators and pedagogists of teaching acting, we find ourselves in a position where we need to figure out how do we communicate these complex ideas about acting, acting fundamentals without creating harm or trauma to our students in the classroom while creating a safe space for them to explore emotional vulnerability. Absolutely. And it's exciting to me because the generation that is coming up is extremely honest and vocal and mm -hmm. open and speaks their mind. And that to me is what is shifting this conversation. When we were growing up and we were training in our 20s and our 30 or 30s, you know, it, we we were always taught to keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. Whoever is teaching you is the authority on that subject and you don't speak back. You know, don't yeah, talk that, back. That whole idea of the hierarchy of education, you mm -hmm. know, and, and that is now in real time, we're watching that being dismantled. Thankfully. Thankfully. Yeah, and, and, and obviously there is a level of respect that will always go into, you know, the professor that is teaching you or the person Absolutely. that is teaching you the fundamentals. But the question now remains is how do we empower our actors in the classroom to take one ownership of their art, but also how do they connect to characters in a safe and healthy way that doesn't cause trauma? Absolutely. I think back to when we were training and, you know, I know you and you and I have all of these conversations about a memory that pops up. And remember that one time my teacher threw a pencil <laughs> at me and said, you know, tell me about your worst dark day. <laughs> I have, I have literally uh, gone through exercises where I had to imagine the day that my mom died or do, you know, these, these, again, these effective or imaginary exercises to connect us to raw emotion. And oftentimes people would be in tears or they would go so deep into the work because it was so authentic and real for them that it it was you could see the the body welling up and tensing up with with trauma. And most acting teachers would say, push through it, work through it. And and you know, looking back on that now, we we really have to address this because it's not healthy. It's right. not a healthy way to approach acting fundamentals. The what the work that we're even doing as, you know, actors ourselves, I look back at that now and I think, "Oh my gosh, when I when I played Sally Bowles for almost a year straight, two productions back at back, I think back now and I all the methods that I used for that for that character and that role, it was a pretty dark time for me. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll never forget going to the chiropractor <laughs> regularly and he he knows us very well now and he was like, "Are you are you okay? You don't look okay." And I said, "Oh, I'm doing this show." And he's like, "Okay, I'm just checking in on you." And I wasn't okay. I was too far into it because of the way that I was trying to personally connect my life and my emotions. And I look back now and I think I don't want anybody that I'm working with, my students, um, 
you know, even folks I'm training professionally in, in the professional world, I, I don't want anyone to have that experience anymore. Well, you even have these perversions of Lee Strasberg's method, which have gone so far as to, you know, you see this in Hollywood, uh, actors who are living their characters day in and day out on and off the set. And uh, in order to maintain a consistency of character. Uh, and for me, I just, I feel like if you're unable to me, acting is a job, your, your job is to show up at this time, do the mental preparation it takes to prepare yourself to go into the work, do the work, and then do whatever you need to do to kind of come down, deflate from the work, and then do everything you can to allow that time to stay on set. But if you continuously cognitively are carrying that character with you in your personal life, you're starting to really blend your personal and your professional life in a negative capacity, I believe. Again, this is a personal opinion. So I, I'm very cautious about the perversion of Strasbourg's method, American method, because I feel feel like it's gone way too far. And people can argue, well, that's gotten some people some Academy Awards. You know, you look at actors like Jared Leto is a perfect example. Um, uh, also, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, right. most of his work, you know, Gangs of New York and There Will Be Blood, some brilliant performances. But I don't know who wants to go home to some who wants to go home with uh, Bill the Butcher. <laughs> from right. gangs of New York. Uh, and what's so, the effect on the human long-term? Mm -hmm. What's the long-term effect? I think wasn't there, um, there's a story of when uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was playing um, Lincoln. Mm -hmm. He went out into the woods and built a log cabin. Wow. You know, and and I don't know if he lived it or anything. That was just a story. I don't know how, how much truth there is to that. But again, this idea of carrying the character into your personal life. And I don't know if that's necessarily the most healthy thing. Research, but, absolutely. You know, if he would learn how to build a log, log cabin, because ab absolutely, yes. but it's, you know, the emotional harm that you you can cause yourself long-term using these methods that we do absolutely need to talk about. They are very well-crafted, but where are we now in 2021, which is when we're recording this episode? What can we do now to train folks in a safe and healthy way. Any any tips or tricks that you got that you've been using lately? Yeah, tons. And, and again, <laughs> we're all trying to figure out how to kind of shift this narrative while still honoring the past at the same time. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, the first thing I would do in my acting class is educate all of my students about the journey of American, uh, American acting method. And it's migration from the Moscow Art Theater and Konstantin Stanislavski's training methods to arriving at the shores of the United States uh, and eventually the group theater, you know, and the work that all of those early pioneers, American pioneers did talk about that. I think it's important that we understand the legacy of it sure, and then understand the exercises that, that uh, go into each of these. The next question is, where are we going now? Where is the future of acting technique? And how do we want to address these, these exercises without causing harm to our students? So something I do, for example, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, when my student performs a song, um, we start obviously talking about the given circumstances, the atmosphere, the, the moment before, uh, you know, uh, intention, objectives, tactic play, moment-to-moment um, -moment work throughout the course of the song. That's kind of the basic one, two, threes of acting fundamentals. It's always when we get to the point where we start talking about vulnerability and connecting truth to character. I think that's where it becomes problematic and it can, it can diverge into one of two uh, lanes. You can either, an instructor can even take, take a student actor 
and say, tell me about the moment you had a similar situation. And all of a sudden, this person is recreating that, that trauma from their life. Or you can do something that I've been doing recently, which is, how do you find your humanity within the character? What are the tenets of your character that resonate with you? And we start having a conversation about this. Instead of identifying the trauma that mirrors what the character is going through, I think there are ways you can still communicate these complex ideas that Strasberg and Meisner and Chekhov were all trying to aim for and um, Uta Hagen were all trying to aim for. But I think we need to diverge away from forcing our students to relive past experiences. One thing that I have found quite often with musical theater performers, no matter what their level of experience or training is, is the idea of not feeling confident in their skill and their, their, their ability to perform a song without being so extremely nervous that mm -hmm. if we talk about all the acting and we would break it down, and then adding the vocals onto it, there's so many things happening at one time as a musical theater performer. And then, you know, sing, dance, and act and play, play, exactly. a, right, play, play, play an, an instrument. instrument, do acrobatics, you know, do lyra, do silks, do all this stuff at the same time. <laughs> and I think that there is something to be said now where we see musical theater going, where we really need to make sure that we are not just training singers, mm -hmm. dancers, actors, musicians, that we are training folks that are able to rely on their their technique to connect to a song in their own personal way also their imagination yes i think we lose sight of that and that's why you know one of the exercises i do really love about um about the american method is the sensory experience you mm, know yes. exploring your senses um and how they can connect you to emotion in the imaginary circumstance without without involving personal trauma. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, getting students to connect on a sensory level to the work and getting doing imaginary uh, exercises and improvisational exercises to get them to connect and learn to use their imagination. We're basically asking them to become children again and learn to, to free play. There's a great book I always have with me. It's called Free Play. This idea of getting back to what it means to be a child when we work with free of inhibition, free of, of concern of what other people around us are going to think. Right. And we're, once we free ourselves from that, we are now free to completely in, indulge in the world of the character in an imaginary circumstance without having to say, okay, I remember when I was young, mm -hmm. uh, someone treated me this way and it, and it made me feel this way and I felt really dark and I felt this pain and all of a sudden I'm now triggered and now I'm reliving trauma. Yes. We are not therapists. We are not trained to ask our students to go into that kind of work. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we should. No. It's just a personal opinion. I think something else to consider is this idea of, of play, of playing different roles of, of like, I love how you related it to being a child again and going back and being imaginative. It's very challenging to do after you have been so technically trained to the bone, mm -hmm. to your core, that it's, I am finding this right hard right now because I am in the middle of training, you know, myself as a performer again, and all the spare time that we have now. Right. And I find it really challenging in my lessons to, to be comfortable mm -hmm. with playing to be comfortable with 
trying something that's outside the box to to play with the acting or the vocal or the space or the way I interpret the song because I'm always thinking that's not proper technique right why yeah. what am I I I don't have the ability to step outside the box and being comfortable to play I think well, is that's Oh, sorry, I didn't mean no, to interrupt go you. For it. That, go for that's it. really at the heart of how any acting class or acting for musical theater class should start is with free play. The first 30 minutes are designed to just get the actor connected to the space, get connected to the work, get their body engaged, get their imagination moving. Their, our imaginations are like an instrument or like a muscle. They need to be flexed and they need to be massaged and uh, exercised on a daily basis so that eventually when we walk into the room, we can access our imagination at the turn of a dime in an audition. So it's, in, it's imperative at the beginning of any acting process that we do improvisation, we do free play, we do warm-ups, and that can come in a myriad of different ways before we even think about going into the work. And I have found that anytime I do that work with my students, they are so much more open, both physically and emotionally, to going into the work much quicker than we ha- than us having to sit there for half an hour in a coaching session and try to kind of dig it out of them because we have given them the space to improv improv and to play. It's the same thing that we need that it's the same type of um warm up of leading up to a show, right? You go yeah. to perform, you warm up, you stretch, you get in a mental state, you get connected whatever you need to do your process. That is something that often is not taught in in training, right? It's like show up, great, go sing your song. And there's no, you know, there's it, it there it feels so cold and so yeah. when and I love that because I do the same thing taking time to settle in to warm up to play to exercise to express that allows the creativity in the space just starting off put it this way when we teach dance what are we training we're training our physical bodies right. to do the work to build the stamina and the strength necessary to carry a show yes or to dance in a show when we sing, what are we training? We're training our physical instrument to to extend its range, to sing healthily on stage, eight shows a week if necessary. Right. If we do free play and imagination work and improvisational work, what are we training? People take the brain out. They don't think it's a physical instrument. Yeah. Our minds are physical instruments that we need to train and develop and exercise so that it can be ready to do the necessary work, acting work. I think that was so well said, Tim. (laughs) Let's go ahead now and wrap it back up to our puzzler. I wonder if anybody has this answer in their mind. If they don't, let's share with them right now. All right. So the puzzler was, what performer has the record for the most Tony Award wins? And the answer is... Audra, Audra McDonald. Yes, Audra <laughs> McDonald, the amazing Audra McDonald, has won a total of six Tony Awards. Yes. And not just for musicals, for both plays, plays and musicals alike, which is an example of how diverse and incredible of an actress she is. Uh, her awards come in the form of The Gershwin's Porgy and Bess, A Raisin in the Sun, Ragtime, Masterclass, Carousel, and Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and grill. What is so amazing about Audra McDonald and what really proves what we've been talking about today is the idea that as a musical theater performer, 
you can you are a strong actor as well you can do both you can do multiple things within this industry thanks for joining us this week and we'll see you in the episode coming up soon Thank you.